Welcome to episode four of Hearsay. Uh, my name is Mr. Reed, and I am the teacher of criminal justice at Attleboro High School, a three-year program for people who are interested in the field of criminal justice. Uh, we are doing this podcast, uh, spending each uh, time with each senior, uh, getting to talk to them about what they're interested in, uh, what they've learned, where they're going, that sort of stuff. So today with us, I would like to just welcome Ms. Sarah Del Pazos. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome, Ms. Shereen. And let me be the first to wish you a happy belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't told, I did not know it was your birthday until after I saw you yesterday. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Birdie told me, so happy birthday. Thank you. And think of no better present than spending time with me. I am ecstatic. <laughs> so uh, let's just start off, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm Sarah Del Pozo. I'm 18 years old. Um, I grew up in Attleboro and I've done cheer for about 12 years. And you're the captain? Yes, I'm the captain this year. And family? Family. Um, I have one brother and one sister and I'm the oldest of three. And so what made you join the program three years ago? Um, so freshman year, I started really getting into like crime films and TV shows. And the CTV rotation was my favorite one and just really interested me. So I decided to stick with it. And did you have any sense of what you were interested in as far as like career and stuff back then? At the time, I wanted to go into the medical field, but this quickly changed my mind. So. There's a, there's actually a huge overlap between like medical teaching and law enforcement and stuff because mm -hmm. they're all human services. They're all about helping people. Um, and so I mentioned it in somebody's that like, we had a person teaching us professional development as teachers. And one of his piece of advice was uh, keep your grade book on your, passenger seat so if you get pulled over the police officer will know you're a teacher because every police officer is married to or the son or daughter of a teacher <laughs> and you, surprisingly like a lot of police officers are if they're not married to other police officers they're married to uh medical people nurses doctors they're married to teachers because we're all in the same general business um so over the last three years who's been your favorite guest speaker um, I really liked um, the police from Bristol County Sheriff's Office and Officer Ishwood, who helped us with like the um, the self defense and the dogs and stuff. Those were probably my favorite. The dogs are getting a lot of love on this podcast. I bet. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure you actually even learned anything that day. Yeah, probably. But you, but it was certainly fun to watch dogs run around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's the What's your favorite thing that we've done so far in the last three years? Could be a project, could be a topic, uh, whatever it happens to be. Um, I really enjoy scenario training as much as it makes me extremely nervous. I think it's like the most effective way to get like experience in school. And so for the people listening who have no idea what that is, what is scenario training? So scenario training is when we learn about a topic. So for example, like medical first aid training, and then we 
take it and put it into a scenario blindly and then we have to like use what we've learned and figure out like how to properly address the situation and they're designed to put you under a little bit of stress mm -hmm. um not too much but enough yeah for sure and what are your plans for post high school as of right now, I'm planning on majoring in criminology and possibly minoring in um, psychology. And I'm planning on going to Merrimack. Have you committed yet? No, but I'm on my way to committing. So. You still got a few more days. Yeah. Are you waiting to hear from anyone or? No, I'm just kind of like, we've heard everything so far about like financial stuff and like we've made like a plan with like the financial aid office so that was my biggest concern obviously it was just finances because it's a pretty expensive school but um kind of laid everything out for us so now i'm just kind of waiting to say yes i'll go all right well congratulations then thank you maybe if some merrimack counselors listening to this they'll decide to give you a free ride who knows hopefully well, maybe I'll send it to them. Um, and where do you see yourself five, ten years from now if you have a criminology slash psychology degree? What would you like to do, get involved in? I'm honestly pretty undecided about, like, exactly where I want to go with it, but I know I definitely want to be, like, helping people in some way or another. I'm not sure if I want to go more like law route of it or like law enforcement, but I definitely want to stick with criminology because it's like my favorite. I'm interested in it. So. so, and you might not be able to answer this right now. Mm -hmm. uh, what theories of criminology do you find yourself aligning with? So I really like, um, like the behavior analysis portion of it. Like, I really think it's interesting that like one event can change someone for the rest of their life, like psychologically. And I think it's interesting to look at people and like find out why they do it. Like, even if it's not on like a criminal basis, even just like in general, like why people do what they do and like why they do it a certain way, I think it's fascinating to me. So are you a uh, like developmental for criminology that like, do you think that it's like your criminal nature happens because of something that happens to you as a child? I'd say like, especially like the route we're gonna go talk about like the mental health of, of prisoners and stuff. Like I'd say, yes, I think that everyone does something for a reason. And if we can find the reason, I think that there could be a way to fix it for certain people, if that makes sense. It does. And so, because you mentioned it, um, it's a natural transition. So you're right now, the topic you're interested in is mental health for prisoners. Yeah. And like the rehabilitation of like letting them back into society and like helping them better their life. And why is that something that's of interest? I just, I've always been like a very forgiving person. And I think that everyone deserves the opportunity to better themselves. 
And I think that each of us is more than the worst mistake we've ever made. So I just think that, you know, it's something that can be worked on. And so what have you been looking at in your research? So I've been looking at um, what is required in prisons, like to be provided. So healthcare is required in prisons, but that doesn't necessarily include mental health workers. So I think it varies from prison to prison as far as like financial they can offer. Um, and when you, when we went to Norfolk prison, mm -hmm. um, did you get a sense that some of those guys that we talked to had either mental health issues or could have benefited from, from some mental health? Yeah, I, honestly, I'm a believer that everyone can benefit from talking to someone. I don't think it's something that makes you like, it labels you as having bad mental health, but especially people in those situations, I think that anyone could benefit from talking to someone, whether they want to show it or not. Do you think there's a stigma to it though? I don't know. Like, what do you mean by that? Is there a, specifically in the prison setting, but also just in general in, in our culture, do you think there's a stigma to talking to a therapist? 100%. I think people are so, like, I know a lot of people that I've recommended it to them because personally, I'm not afraid to say that I talk to people, I talk to therapists throughout my whole life. I think it helps. And a lot of people think that it makes them crazy. Like you talking to a therapist makes you need help. I just think it's something that is provided in the world that people could certainly benefit from, whether you have a mental health issue or you're just going through something like doesn't always I think that that's something that people can really benefit from. So how do we break the stigma though? Like if there is a stigma, how do you get, especially people in like a prison where it's a very, toxic mm -hmm. place where yeah. you know you ha you can't show weakness or you're gonna be in trouble like how do you how do you get those guys who might need it the most to be vulnerable i think we talk about it i don't think it's talked about enough and especially in like a prison setting i think that if it's expressed that you know therapy or even just having a conversation with someone about what's going on in your life. I don't think that should be labeled as, you know, you need to do this because you're crazy. You need to do this because you need help. Like, I think it's okay to ask for help. And I think if we discuss like what therapy or like, you know, getting mental health help really is, then I think that stigma could be broken, but it's just really not talked about enough. And do you think that recidivism of crime will drop if people got their mental health addressed? I think that it could certainly help with that, but I also think if it could be doubled with rehabilitation services, I think that needs to be something that's in place along with the mental health aspect of it. Because I don't think it'll fix everything, but I think if we get to the root of like the problem where it all started, I think that will help motivate people who really want to continue to do good. And so when you talk about rehabilitation services, what specifically are you talking about? 
So the thing that like I really think about is like the job opportunities for people when they get out. And um, people in prison, they're required to have a job if they're medically able, but it only usually makes about 12 cents to 40 cents an hour. So I think, you know, if you're getting out of prison, you know, put on your feet, you have nothing. I think it would be helpful to either get a job that is a little bit more than minimum wage or be able to offer a steady job in prison that's more than 40 cents an hour. So should they should there be like job training in prison? I think that would be helpful or if we could again like breaking the stigma of people out of prison working in like a workplace. Like I think that's something that's like you know a big problem because it's difficult to get, you know, a good job if you're, you know, if you have a felony. So I think that's something that could be fixed and also um like the education inside the prison system. I know that like some prisons offer like, you know, GED and things like that. But I think if like, you know, the education could be upped as long, along with like the mental health aspect of it, I think that could be like helpful as far as the rehabilitation part of it goes. Yeah, I um, I don't know if uh, you remember, but um, BU offers a program through um, Norfolk Prison, mm-hmm. where it only takes a small group of people, and this is this has been going on for probably close to forty years. So certainly before the internet, so uh, college professors used to go to Norfolk, and then uh, you would be eligible for a full bachelor's degree from BU for free. Um, it's paid for by the alumni, so it doesn't cost the taxpayers of Massachusetts anything. Mm-hmm. And I believe their recidivism rate is like 19%. Really? Where like, yeah. Whereas like normally it's like 60%, right? So it's mm-hmm. huge. Um, and, you know, these people are getting their, they get, I think, a Bachelor's of Arts, um, a liberal arts degree from BU. Um, they do it part-time through the prison. Uh, and then when they gra- when they graduate, when they get out of prison, they have a BA. Um, and so, like, programs like that have shown a huge success. Right. Here comes the tricky part. What are you concerned about? with, you, you already mentioned it. What is one of your concerns with college? As far as- The whole thing. The money. Yeah. You're concerned yeah. about that, right? Yes. And you I, should. Are, are you a bad person? No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. So have you done anything to get yourself in a lot of trouble? No. Okay. So is it fair that someone goes to Norfolk prison for a violent offense and gets a free tuition and you don't? Okay, I can see what your concern is. <laughs> um, I honestly don't really know how to feel about that. I think that in life are given certain opportunities, like born into it, I mean, and I think that a lot of that can lead to making bad decisions. Like I've been blessed and lucky and had an amazing life. 
So I haven't made bad decisions, but I think that someone born into something difficult is more prone to make bad decisions. So, I mean, maybe that's one way to look at it. And there's certainly other ways to look at it. But I think if we're gonna go in a route with, you know, making the world a better place, I think that that's the way we should look at it. So you mentioned the idea of root of the, you, I think you called it the root of the problem, right? Yeah. So do you think that we should address the root cause of crime? I think that that's the first thing that should be addressed. I think that every single person does something for a reason. And I think that if you do something bad for a reason, that reason can be addressed. Now, do you think there are bad people? Yeah, I do. I think that this isn't something that, I think there are people that are so far gone psychologically that it's hard to get them to go back into society. I think they should still be attended to mentally, but I think that there are people who really deserve a second chance that don't certainly necessarily get that opportunity. And who decides? That's a difficult question. I think that the person affected decides what they do with what they're offered. When I went to that prison and listened to those people talk, I think that there are certainly a few that could, that want to do better. You know, and I think that Norfolk Prison specifically had good resources for them. You know, like that's part of like the mental health thing is being able to talk about what happened to you. And I think that that's something that helped because they want to do good. So that was something that really said in the whole thing. And so what do you do with the person who doesn't either recognize that they need help or doesn't want help? I think that that's a tough question because I don't necessarily know if mental health should like help should be required in prisons because I don't know if, if being told that you need to get help will help. I'm not sure if there's a way to like go around it and like you know make someone realize that they can do better. You know, like like getting having a mental health professional get up and speak to everyone. You know, like in the general, and then offer the services. You know what I mean? Like just something that like where they can decide what they want to do. I think that would be the most beneficial. It's tough, right? Because you yeah. know, if you're and let's let's you have a, a undiagnosed mental health issue, mm -hmm. you might not recognize that you have an undiagnosed mental health issue because you think you're fine. In fact, you may think you're awesome. Like, mm -hmm. You may think that, you know, everyone else is messed up. Um, or you just don't recognize how you're interacting with society. Right. So, you know, if all of us can recognize that you have an issue and we know that that issue is going to lead you into doing some bad things, do we as a society have an obligation to force you to get help? And if we do, can people be forced to get help? 
I think where I think possibly if you've already made the mistakes that come with like a severe mental health issue and like you're in a prison like you it's already done with, I think that it wouldn't be such a bad thing to require mental health services, like, you know, people to get help, but I wouldn't, it would have to be done in a very certain way for certain people. Like, I think, I don't think it could be like a general session for each person. I think you would need to either wait for someone to talk to you or, you know, like just certain ways for certain people because not everyone is the same. And what about uh, like drug addiction? I think drug addiction is a disease. I think that a lot of people don't mean to get into that. I think that rehabilitation, as far as that goes, there's, if the person doesn't want to get clean, they won't. If you put someone into rehab that doesn't want to get clean, they will come out and do the same thing over and over again. That's, I think that's even though they know it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. Because they're addicted, right? Like, yes. right? Yep. so how do you get people just to recognize that it's what they, what they want? Because it's hard. It is, it's, it's really, it's a touchy subject, but um, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's really difficult to make someone see what they want deep down you know what i mean yeah but if we're going to get to the root causes don't isn't don't we have to deal with this yeah yeah and i think that i think that it's kind of different as far as like drug rehab versus like prison mm -hmm. and like mental health rehab i think that's a little bit different um i don't know i because you're already addicted to like a physical substance and like you're doing it over and over to make you feel a certain way. Whereas like mental health, everything is just kind of like bottled up and it's something you can talk about and discuss and you don't have to go through withdrawals and, you know, relapses and things like that. Like it's definitely tough on both ends, but I think talking to someone as far as mental health goes could simply help you. But uh, aren't there elements of mental health that are biological? Yes, I'd say so. So and my I, uh, chemical imbalance in my brain, um, should I be medicated? I think it depends on the person. I think that, well, the brain is a muscle and you can train your brain like any other muscle if you want to, if you want to work on it, you can train your brain. And I think it starts with baby steps. So like biologically, you can, people can overcome it if you want to. Can you? Like if my brain doesn't produce enough dopamine uh, or cortisol or whatever, can I, do you think I can train my brain to produce more? Well, like I said, it depends on the person. If I have a brain lesion and like I have a cut mm -hmm. in my brain that produces like me not understanding, I don't know, right and wrong, can that like, can I just 
fix it by thinking harder? Well, no, I think like for like anxiety and like depression, like I think that some, in some cases you can overcome it without being medicated. Okay, so. I wouldn't say for everyone that you can do that. I think there's more severe cases than others, but I think that it would start with, like I said, with the steps, like analyzing each individual person. That's what I mean when I say, like, if you have mental health services in the prison, you can't have just like a general, this is what our session is like for everyone. It'd have to be different. So do you think that medical assisted treating, treatment is a viable option? I think it should be a viable option for the people who definitely need it. I think there are a lot of people in the world that like even just in prisons that don't necessarily need the medication. I think that there are people that can overcome their mental health issues with work. And so, I don't even know what I was gonna say next. Um, and that was the bell for the end of lunch. Uh, so, does the same apply to drug addiction? Is, med is medical assisted treating uh, Suboxone or Methadone or something like that, are, th are those viable ways of uh, dealing with drug addiction? I think if it's the only way the person wants to get clean and it's the only way that they know that they can do so, I think yes. But again, there's been people that have done it without it. You know, yeah. it's okay. certainly, and it's an entirely possible thing to do. Um, and so do you think that as a society, and we'll talk, you know, criminology here, like mm -hmm. to prevent crime, to create a safer society, should we be investing money, tax money uh, on this stuff to help make our society safer? I think that the way that I looked at this was more like for the individual person, but as far as society goes, I think that, yes, I think that society can be better in certain ways. And I think that maybe this is a way to make it better. I mean, I don't know, like that's a tough question. Well, if you said it was individual, like if someone is born in poverty and has, you know, uh, substance abuse issues because they were, you know, born with substances in their body because their mom was an addict and they, you know, all of the hand is dealt against them, right? They have, they, they have all of the cards that say you're gonna probably end up doing, making some bad decisions or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, is it fair to say to them that like, well, if you want it, it's up to you. I don't know. Should we be funding mental health in schools? Yes. Full stop. <laughs> At, from kindergarten up? Yeah. With our, with tax money? Yes. And you think that that is, do you think that will have a crime prevention result? Yes, I do. I think if you get help, especially at a young age, I think it can prevent a lot. Just a lot of people don't recognize that they need help, especially at a young age.
And I think that there will be more people who agree with you on one level on that, that like, if we, you know, I don't think there's too many people who are violently against helping kindergarten kids. Right? Like, there's not <laughs> yeah. like, oh, the hell with them. They made their bed, lie in it. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are certainly a bunch of people who would mm -hmm. say that uh, providing job training, providing college, providing mental health training, providing substance abuse uh, training is to people in prison is a waste of our money. Yeah. Yeah, because, I, I would definitely recognize that. And I know it's like a tough thing to talk about, but I think I have a different perspective than most people. You know what I mean? Like if someone's mean to me, like I look at them and I say, I don't be like, you know, they're mean. I look at them and be like, why? Like, there's definitely a reason, you know? Like that's the way I look at everything. So it just makes you look into this even more. So you would just say that those people are wrong? I, no, I wouldn't. I think that everybody has a reason for thinking the way that they do. Again, I, I do. Like, and, like, if somebody killed my mom and you know, they went to prison and they got offered all the help in the world, I think I'd look at things differently. Like, I think everybody's experience in life affects the way that they look at things, especially tough topics like this. And... Uh, so, if, so if you were a victim of a violent crime, uh, mm -hmm. and the and the the state said that you know, well, well, they did this, they did this because they had you know undiagnosed mental health issues or they had substance abuse issues, and so we're going to rehabilitate them, turn them into a better person, put them back in society where they're going to be fully functional and hopefully not a criminal anymore. Mm -hmm. Would you, as the victim, be okay with that? I think it would be harder to be okay with. I think it would, at first I wouldn't be. I think it takes time for the victims to be okay with that because it's not easy at all. It's not an easy subject, but I think that with time and with healing, again, talking to people that are professionals and like that will affect your mental health. I think talking to professionals with time, I think that it will be easier. Because I know that there are people on both sides of the aisle, right? Of course, yeah. And as a, you know, the people who make the decisions are the politicians, right? They have mm -hmm. the, they have access to the money, they yeah. distribute who gets what. Um, and it's really hard to be the person who says, we're going to fund, um, I don't know, job training for convicted criminals rather than we're going to punish convicted criminals. Right. Um, and then our tax money has to go towards that and then people will be upset. So it's easier to be tough on crime than it is to deal with it. But I'm not sure being tough on crime makes us safer. I agree. And so if the goal is to make us safer, how do we get there? Well, like, we know what to do, right? Give yeah. kids, give kids good quality food. Uh, when they're in, you know, give them mental health issues. Uh, help them, you know, social emotional learning is a big thing in schools these days. Mm -hmm. You know, deal with deal with all of these things, and then 
uh, hopefully as a result, uh, if we provide people training and jobs training and all that sort of stuff, they don't have to make the decisions that they made right, right. to get them in trouble. Once again, there are people who will make bad decisions, right? There are people out there who I would consider to be bad, mm -hmm. who will do terrible things to other humans because yeah. they enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, or they don't care. Um, and I'm not sure that, do you agree that prisons need to exist? Yes, 100%. And that sometimes we have to lock people up into cages. Yeah, and I think that since prison needs to be used, I think it can be used in a better way. Do you know what I mean? Like, since prison is necessary, and that's where all the bad people go, I think it can be utilized better. What do you, uh, how? To, like, as far as, like, our whole topic discussion, just, like, making it more focused on rehabilitation. And again, there are certain people that are too far gone, but I think that there are a lot of people that made one mistake and ended up in federal prison and can turn it around. So should we have less prisons and less prisoners? I wouldn't say less. Should prisons be uh, designated for the worst of the worst who can't be rehabilitated and everyone else get something else? I don't know. Or is prison I mean, the place you go to to be rehabilitated? I think prison, I think you. if you make a mistake that costs someone their life, I think you should be locked up. Like, I don't think that prison shouldn't be a thing, like for the people that can be rehabilitated, but I think it could be used more as a resource. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> so, so it's both? Yeah, like I think that you can serve your time if you've done something wrong because we have lots in place for a reason. You know, we're not gonna keep pe dangerous people that, you know, like out on the streets still. But I think while you're serving your time, I think that as a society, there are ways that we can, you know, utilize that time. So that way, when it's time for you to come to society, you're, be you're better, you're a better person. You're not a danger to society anymore. You're not gonna end up back there. You know, I think that there are better ways to help people through your time in prison. I don't think it should be eliminated at all. And it should serve both functions. Yeah. And so, let's say there's someone who's just a bad person. They've done mm -hmm. terrible things. They enjoy doing terrible things to, ter to people. They deserve to be locked up for the rest of their life. Those, those people exist? Yes, yeah, I'd say so. And as you kind of mentioned that like, it's not that they can't be helped, they're beyond help, right? Like yeah. maybe maybe when they were younger, we they might've been able to do something or yeah. whatever. But like at this point in their life, there's nothing we can do to stop them from being super ultra violent and hurting people. Mm -hmm. Should they be in the same place as someone who can get help? Like, a I good don't know. person who needs help to be surrounded by people who are terrible, awful people. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think that, again, that would need to be, like, assessed beforehand, if that makes sense. Like, if you're so far gone, then maybe, like, be separated from the people that have a fighting chance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that that could be beneficial if we were to, like, really focus on rehabilitating people. So, for the people that are too far gone, uh, do we just sacrifice them? I don't, I don't know. Cause again, I have very like iffy opinions about the death penalty. Like that's a touchy subject for me. Like I, you know, someone brings up a point and I swing one way and then someone brings up another point and I swing the other way. That's why I chose not to talk about it because I'm so iffy iffy on it. We will not talk about it then. Yeah, but I just like, I, I wouldn't say like, I think that there can be like living space for them you know i don't know do you remember the documentary we watched on solitary confinement yep and solitary confinement messed with people mentally yes yes yeah <laughs> and probably shouldn't we shouldn't do that to people i don't think so no but do you remember the guy who is going to just murder everyone yes <laughs> what do you do with him yeah if, if his thing is let me out or i will kill everyone Hey, you're not going to let him out because that's a crazy reason to let someone out. Yeah. Uh, but he has, you know, killed a couple guards and attacked people and is super violent. Do we just say, I'm sorry, man, like you get locked into a hole forever. And it would, if, it, if it destroys you mentally, it destroys you mentally. Like, sorry. Wouldn't you say that they're already destroyed mentally? Probably. I don't know. That's definitely tough. Cause like, it's just sad. It is sad. I'm not saying it's I'm not positive about it. I'm all like, yay. <laughs> you know, it's, did you ever read those who walk away from Amalas? No. It's a good little short story. It's about this utopian town where everybody is happy and everybody has everything they want and everyone has a good job and everyone has a good family um and it is a utopia uh but it everyone knows everyone in town knows that in order to keep everyone happy they have to torture a child in a basement so one child gets picked and they just torture that child they lock them up and as a result of his unhappiness everyone else gets to be happy and there are some people who can't deal with that. And so they're the ones who walk away. They're the ones who walk away from Amalas, right? They say, mm -hmm. I can't do that. I'd rather live a life that's not perfect, knowing that we're not sacrificing some dude. So yeah. <laughs> now this is going to be audio only. So I kind of wish people could see your face at this point. <laughs> uh, you know, is it okay to sacrifice certain people to make our society safer? I mean, like, no, no. Okay. No. All right. So what do we do with the ultraviolet psychopaths? I don't know. <laughs> do we keep them in prison for the rest of their lives? I think when I 
when I was thinking about this in general terms, like before we really dove into it, I would think yes. That's that was my thought. I think that they could. It, it at at least at Norfolk, it seemed that they had almost like a society going. You know, like it seemed like you know people had jobs, people had things to do, people you know played basketball. But again, like to keep someone that's that could you know if you dunk on them in basketball, they'll kill you. Like that's. Again, that's a tough thing to think about. Yeah, we didn't get a chance because of COVID to go to Bridgewater. I usually, with seniors, we usually go to Bridgewater. Bridgewater is the prison for people who have mental health issues. Okay. Uh, and I would have liked to go there. <laughs> this sounds really weird. I would have liked to go to prison with you, Sarah, uh, <laughs> because I would have liked to heard your take on it afterwards. Yeah. Because it's very, it's different than Norfolk. What's what's different about it? Like what? I feel like it offers less. Really. And everyone in there has a di has a diagnosed mental health issue. Yeah. So these are people who have some sort of diagnosed issue, and mm -hmm. uh, they're there for for a variety of things. Um, and the you know the, the the prisoners we talk to like. We're very open about their mental health issues, but okay. they're also very open that like they weren't really getting a lot of help, other than being put in a place where mental health, where like everyone is mental, and I'm putting air quotes around that. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. I would have liked to. I would have liked to have gone to prison with you. Yeah. Well, I would have liked to have gone too. Yeah, COVID. Maybe I'll go like next year or something yeah. with Peter. When Peter's a senior, yeah, you, you can be a chaperone. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. When Peter goes as a senior, we will. Uh, I'll, I'll have him reach out to you. You can come in for the day and be a chaperone. All right, that's a good idea. All right. Uh, so as we, I mean, you know, I don't think we came out of this conversation knowing more than when we went in. Not at all, probably, but uh, because it's it's tough. It is. Right? So. You know, that's one of the things I really like about these ideas of justice is that they're not black and white. They're right. not easy. Mm -hmm. um, and there is no one right answer. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. In society to be like, no, like sometimes we have to do this and sometimes we have to do that. And mm -hmm. for every example, I could come up with an exception, right? Right. And that makes it tough. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if you're going to study these ideas of criminology and psychology, you know, those those two things are very important because I think the more we know, the better we can make more decisions that are the right one. Yeah. Um, and that gets tough. Uh, so anything, any last words, any last ideas on this topic? I don't think so. All right. So my final question is. Uh, why should why should we care about Sarah Del Pazo? She's a great gal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty nice, I guess. Okay. And I definitely I don't know I don't know what I want to do, but I want to change something for the better. Okay, so we should care about you. 
we as the world should care about you because you plan on fixing it. Yes, in, least, in one way or another. At least to the, as much as you as any one human being can. Yes. Uh, well, I, I feel like uh, knowing that you guys are going to graduate and go on and take over the world and stuff like that, uh, I feel in, in pretty good hands. So I think that's a good reason to care about you. Yeah. Because I agree. I think that there's a lot of potential there. And so mm -hmm. I'd like to see you go out and fix all of some of the problems as best as any one human being can. Yeah. Right. I certainly do all I can. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. Okay. <laughs> Do what you can. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you for dialoguing with me. Thank you for having me. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye.